Welcome to another podcast from Fire Church Ministries. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Daniel Hagen. But today we launched the series, and uh, it's called the Blessed Life Series. Once a year we teach on finance, uh, or at least once a year, but in a major way we do it at the start of the year. And then after the series finishes, we're going to be taking up a miracle offering. It won't be today. We're going to give you some notice for it. And we're going to really explain what that miracle offering's for. We do it every year. An aspect of that miracle offering is going to, or sorry, a percentage of that miracle offering, we always sow back into our city. So we'll be actually praying about who to sow it into this year. In times past, we've sown it into other local churches Uh, in this area that are doing a great job. So we sow into city unity because we want to work with the other churches in this region and we pray about, okay, who do we sow it into this year? Sometimes it's uh, multiple churches uh, like Gateway, Connect, uh, Southern Lights. There's lots of other um, churches in this city that we want to sow finance into and bless them and say, hey, we're behind you, we love you. So a percentage of that miracle offering will go there and uh, we're also going to be praying with the board about where to distribute the other uh, percentage of that offering, but I think more than likely it's going to go towards the relaunch of of the campuses coming together. So we really want to bless our campuses, strengthen our campuses. If you didn't know already, we have another three campuses, and this is the mother church, and another three uh, other uh, church meetings or fire church meetings that take place on Saturday night and also Sunday. We have Geelong, Gippsland, and Hawthorne as well. Okay, so does sound all right? So more than ever, now is a great time to jump into small group because we're going to be rolling out a series by Robert, Pastor Robert Morris. You heard from him briefly there with that powerful testimony. His life is full of testimonies in this particular area. God has really taught him so much about finance. And as a result, him, his ministry, his church is having such an impact, significant impact on on their city, on the United States, but also all over the world as well. And he's some of the best teaching I've ever heard on the subject of finance uh, from Pastor Robert Morris. So we're really blessed to have his series in small group format that we're going to be rolling out. And it really does cover the subject in a holistic way. We're going to be hitting it from all different angles. Today, I'm going to be kicking off this series and I'm going to be touching on uh, the subject of the tithe and the offering, offering, bringing some understanding, some theology around it, But more than anything, hopefully, I hit on the heart, the heart of giving, okay? So we, as I said, we do this once a year in a really clear way, a powerful way, because we want people to really understand this subject. Uh, I just want to start off with some statistics that I didn't get to read out in the 9 a.m. service, but I just thought it was really interesting. These are statistics uh, that are made up in the American church, but uh, as a whole, it, it's, it's, it pretty much sums up what is happening around the world. And uh, the church, in some ways, is in a great place. We're doing great things. But in a lot of ways, we're still kind of catching up and struggling a little bit. So I want to point out some statistics. And partly, this is one of the reasons why I really want to teach on this subject in a strong and clear way, bring the Word of God, bring understanding for our church. So uh, this is just something that, uh, some statistics that, uh, in my research, the church of today is not... As a whole, I'm not saying our church, but as a whole, is not great at giving. This isn't exactly um, news. And in fact, many, many statistics uh, show this right around the world, but it is a statistical fact. Tithers make up only 10 to 25% of a normal congregation. So often, 
is the case that 10 to 25% of the church do most of the heavy lifting. And, uh, and that's, that's a, a statistic that we really need to see change. Only 5% of the U.S. Christian tithes, with 80% of the American Christian only giving 2% of their income. Christians are only giving 2.5% per capita, which has really dropped. And even in the Great Depression, that we were giving more. Back in the Great Depression days, it was up at 3.3%. Still not where it should be, but... It's really, really dropped. And, and I, I want to bring some understanding as to why I believe that is happening. Uh, now, we don't want to invoke guilt on this. I want to inspire you today. But I do want to point out uh, that if everyone did do as the Bible says in terms of being faithful with tithes and offerings, then I want you to understand this. This is just America alone. There would be an additional $165 billion for churches to use and to distribute. The global impact would be phenomenal. Here's a few things the church could do with that kind of money. So 165 billion, 25 billion could relieve global hunger, starvation, and deaths from preventable diseases in five years. 12 billion could eliminate illiteracy in five years. 15 billion could solve the world's water and sanitation issues, specifically in places uh, in like third world countries. Uh, One billion could could fully fund overseas missional works. 100 to 110 billion uh, would still be left over for additional ministry expansions. We could throw in a few stadium events while we're at it too. And, And so that's just some honest statistics just in America. And so uh, I want you to think about that. And that's uh, in some ways one of the reasons why I want to teach specifically and start off with bringing some biblical understanding around the tithe and the offering. But to, uh, to kind of take a step back even from that, first of all, I want to talk about the heart. Because if you're new here, uh, I don't expect you necessarily to, to follow this. If you're new to God, I don't expect you necessarily to follow this. Although if you're in love with God, I've got a feeling you'll want to. You'll have no problem. Because Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. And so I hope, I'm going to give you some stats, I'm going to give you some theology, some scripture, but more than anything, I hope you take the importance of the heart issue in this matter, okay? Where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Alex touched on it a little bit in his message. I've got friends that are kingdom business people, and, uh, and they're investing in the stocks, but uh, they don't necessarily have a passion for statistics, and uh, they wouldn't necessarily be people that we're constantly looking at the statistics and or the stats for the stocks. It's not really a love of theirs, but when they started uh, investing their treasure, when they started investing finance into the stocks, uh, now uh, their heart is there, and so you find them looking at it every day, and now they're interested in those stats because their treasure is there. So in a practical way, you can see that that is indeed a truth that Jesus said. Where our treasure is, often that's where you'll find someone's passion and their heart because you can see that they love it. Does that make sense? So it absolutely makes sense. So I hope that this challenges us in a number of ways. I hope it brings understanding, but I also hope it challenges our heart to say, ooh, because the Word of God is the discerner of the thoughts and intents of our heart. So as we read the Scriptures, we get some understanding on this subject. I hope it challenges our heart to say, ooh, 
I'm glad I got a heart check today. We all need a heart checkup from time to time. Amen? Why don't you say to the person next to you who's ready for a heart checkup? Giving, finances, Jesus taught on it heaps. It's all through the Bible. The first time you see an offering to God, by the way, there's tithes and offerings. Hopefully I'll bring some clarity and understanding to that. But the first time you see an offering in the Bible is uh, two people in Genesis, Cain and Abel, two pretty well-known characters if, you're, if you've read the Bible before. And many of us, when we think of Cain and Abel, maybe the first thing you think of is the fact that Cain murdered his brother. And uh, that murder was the result of hatred that he had towards his brother, and that stemmed from jealousy. And so the jealousy, I believe, came from a time when uh, Cain and Abel both brought an offering uh, before God. You can read this in the, in the very first book, the book of beginnings, Genesis. And uh, the Bible says that Cain brought an offering to God, so he fulfilled his religious duty, if you like, but so did Abel. Now, God rejected Cain's offering, and he was pleased with Abel's offering. I don't know if you've ever wondered why that was the case, but there's a few clues in the Scripture. And I believe it comes back to the heart. It's a heart issue. We know in Hebrews, the Bible says that Abel's offering was an offering of faith. We also know that there was a distinction between Cain and Abel's offering. It says that Abel's offering was the first Lamb. He brought the first ling of his lamb unto God. So not only was it just, yeah, okay, oh, I've got to do the offering. Yeah, it's Sunday. Yeah, I'll just, yeah, I got a bit of loose change, chuck it in. Uh, you know, like it, it, it wasn't just fulfilling a religious duty because everyone was doing it, but Abel gave, he's like, yes, I get to give to God. God created these lambs and gave it to me. Really, I wouldn't have it if it wasn't for him to start with. And now I get to not only give to him, but I'm going to give him the first and the best. And I'm going to give it to him in faith because I know he loves me. I know he'll provide for me. And the Bible says it's faith that pleases God. And so his offering was an offering from the heart. What's the royal commandment? Jesus taught us as believers. Love your God with all your heart, all your soul, strength, everything. But the heart issue is so important. And often we can see where someone's heart is by their giving, by their generosity, by where their treasure is given, and by their obedience to what God has said. Jesus said, you'll know them by their fruit. Often people say, yeah, well, God knows my heart. The Bible says we know someone's heart by their fruit. Amen. Say to the person next to you, we need a heart checkup. It's a heart checkup, but this is also a supernatural message, man. I, Chelsea and I have been faithful in this area for all of our Christian days. A couple of times I might have been um, not disobedient, but maybe unorganized and I've been late in the giving, and, and I hate that because I want it to be a first fruit. As soon as my increase drops in the bank account, today our, uh, our currency is not lambs, well, my currency is not, I don't know about you, but it's, I get finance drop in the account. And so my first fruit is finance, and I give that. As soon as it lands, I give it. But sometimes, just through maybe not being organized, 
it hasn't been uh, the first fruit, but we always catch up. And, but I don't even want to get lazy in that. I want to be like Abel, where it's like, this is the first thing I do for you, God. And I want, to, I want to show you where my treasure is, there my heart is also. And I can tell you, we've been through some difficult seasons. We've stepped out in faith and many times, but we've always been uh, faithful in this area of tithes and offerings over and above. And God has always blessed us, provided for us. Sometimes it's been right down to the wire, especially when we first stepped out as church planters, didn't have anything, stepped into an area where there was no uh, provision, but supernaturally God provided for us. One time we didn't even have money to fix uh, door handles on our car and we couldn't open up the door. We had to climb through the window. It was like those real early hillbilly wild adventure days, you know, where you don't have much. Chelsea's fully pregnant with Esther and this was 10 years ago now and gee, time goes quick, doesn't it? And I remember praying in Chelsea. I remember hearing her just really going for it in the bedroom saying, God, we, we got a quote. We needed $200. Didn't have it. And it was embarrassing trying to plan a church and not be able to open the doors of your car. You know, it's like... <laughs> and, uh, and then um, we, we're like, we don't, we don't have the money. And then that day, as we were interceding and praying, now we didn't know anyone in this area. We, we moved into Queensland to where we felt God say to go to. And uh, someone just dropped, uh, I don't know who it was, possibly an angel, could have been someone, but no one knew we were praying, but they dropped the exact amount that we needed on uh, the, our doorstep. And there's just multiple, like, multiple things like that would take place where God would just supernaturally provide. And we just stayed faithful with our giving and God proved himself. There's one area in the scriptures where God actually challenges us and says, test me in this, in the book of Malachi, around the subject of finances. If you'll be faithful and bring the tithe and the offering to the storehouse, he says, test me in this. Watch what I'll do. I'll open up the, the, I'll open up the heavens and cause your storehouse to overflow and bless your land and bless your nation and bless your life. And so that's one of the reasons we've titled this series called The Blessed Life, because God wants you blessed to be a blessing. Yeah. Amen? Prosperity with a purpose. Now, I know there's been some abuse in terms of an overbalanced message. On, I used to hate it before I was saved seeing a televangelist that would seem to just constantly be asking for money, and I would turn it off. So I understand the over, that sometimes there can be um, abuses or misrepresentation around this subject, but at the same time, there's also the other pendulum swing where people think that every Christian just has to be in poverty, and that's not the case either, amen? He wants us balanced, and so hopefully over the next uh, three weeks and through the, the study, we will really get a balanced view on this subject, so because God wants you blessed, and ultimately, uh, we want to be able to impact the nation and the nations, preach the gospel, do what we need to do, amen? Let's go to Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. talked about the heart, but Jesus probably sums it up better than anyone ever could with just three simple verses here. He says in verse 19, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. I like this because when we're faithful with earthly finances, the Bible says, even if you didn't necessarily see it come back in this life, although I believe you will, uh, it says that you're actually storing up treasures in heaven. So when we pass from this life, if you've been faithful and been full on in this life, 
a person that truly seeks first the kingdom and his righteousness, when you get to heaven, you're not even going to realize it, but you're going to have all these treasures in heaven stored up because of your faithful in this life. Isn't that beautiful? So we've got a heavenly bank account that's, being, uh, that's accumulating right now as, as we become faithful in this life. So, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Check this out. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I want to take you to Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. What I'm thinking about doing, particularly when we, when we uh, run like a series and we need to kind of get through a lot, we might be limited in our time space here, but there's so much we want to cover. I'm thinking about doing a podcast type setup. It might not be a podcast yet, but like maybe a Facebook Live this week. So if you've got questions, maybe I touch on something, but I don't get to finish the story or maybe... Uh, there's a question that arises from a particular area that I've taught on, but you want more explanation on it. Um, what I'd like you to do is email us question at firechurch.com.au. So as you're sitting here now, maybe there's questions that are, that are in your mind around the subject. Uh, if you can, keep it in context. Question at firechurch.com.au. And then maybe Alex and I, during the week, we can do a Facebook Live and, and just kind of unpack even more this message go into a little bit more detail for those that are really hungry to learn more and, uh, and maybe we can answer your questions on that as well. So it's question at firechurch.com.au. So Malachi chapter three, verse six, for I am the Lord, I do not change. Everyone say, I do not change. God doesn't change, doesn't change and that's a good thing because he's perfect. You might want him to change but maybe that's because you've got a distorted view on who he is. Amen. But his word is perfect. He is perfect. His ways are perfect. His heart on this matter hasn't changed. And when you read this passage in Malachi, I want to encourage you not to shut off just because it's in the Old Testament. Sometimes we miss these precious promises in the Old Testament because we think it's in the Old Testament. Well, God doesn't change. If he said it in the Old Covenant, he means it. And you know what? He's probably even going to... Uh, when it, when it comes to a blessing, he's going to bless you even more in the covenant. So look at that old covenant promise and say, hey, even more in the new covenant. So he doesn't change. And therefore, you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. Yet from the days of your fathers, you have gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you said, in what way shall I return? So here we see God bringing correction to the people of Israel, the church, if you like, and said, you've left the ordinances. You've, you've gone your own way. And they're like, how have we gone our own way? And this is what he says. Will a man rob God? Strong language. God is really, really, really uh, precious about this. It means a lot to him. And if it means a lot to him then, and we know he doesn't change, it means a lot to him now, amen? Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me, but you say, in what way have we robbed you? And he says, in tithes and offerings. The word tithe literally means 10%. There's an expectation from God that we would give a tenth of what he gives us anyway. Did you know everything that you have comes from God? And he asks us to give him a tenth back. In fact, that's probably inaccurate. He actually says, no, 
Don't give it, bring me a tenth, because it's mine. And it's for the house. It's for his bride. He's, he's pretty, he cares a lot about his bride. You with me? So you'll note there, it doesn't say give, it says bring. The 10 is for the house. The offerings can be for other missions, things, or as you're led, you give different things. But the 10 is for his house and for the local work and beyond. He goes on to say, you are cursed with a curse for you have robbed me. People switch off there and go, well, that's, that definitely can't be for now. Well, I want to tell you, it's not God cursing the people of Israel, but it is a John 10, 10 factor. Jesus comes to bring life and life more abundantly, and the devil, the thief, comes to kill, steal, and destroy. When you step outside his ordinances, when you step outside of his way through your own choices and your own will, you're stepping into something else. If you're not under his blessing, then potentially you're under the God of this world, the enemy, the one that comes to kill, steal, and destroy. So he, he hates that idea, and so he's provoking the church, warning the church, correcting the church, but also inspiring the church to say, if you get this, not only will you be free from the one that comes to kill, steal, and destroy, I'll even rebuke the devourer for your sake, but also I'll open up the heavens. And that open heaven is a picture of holistic freedom. Not only is it more money in your bank account, because it certainly is that, but it's way more than that. An open heaven, true riches. What does that really mean? We're going to touch on that. I can't go too deep in that, but that is a really exciting element for me. Uh, I want to show you how this faithful in this area actually opens up the heavens for revival. We see it with Cornelius. It was his prayers and his generosity that caught the attention of heaven. Jesus said, if I can trust you with unrighteous mammon, I can trust you with true riches. What does that mean? We're going to look at that, man. So don't shut off because it's in Malachi. Also, the word tithe, sometimes people think, well, I don't tithe now because it's part of the law. And so we think if it's part of the law or if it was in the law, part of the law of, of Moses or the Mosaic law, then we just shut it off as well. But I want to tell you, when it comes to the tithe in particular, this started well before the law of Moses. In fact, at least 400 years before, we see two very interesting characters. One was Abraham. Who was Abraham? He's the father of faith. Abraham's not just an Old Testament figure. He's mentioned in the New Testament as well. And Jesus actually said, if you really are the sons of Abraham, then do the deeds of Abraham. In Romans, we see that by faith, even the Gentiles can be called the sons of Abraham. We're the sons and daughters of Abraham. Who was the other character 400 years before the law? Melchizedek. I love that guy. I believe it was Jesus making a cameo appearance. The Bible said he had no mother and father, no genealogy, no beginning and no end. Not really much written about him. He only features in Genesis, once in Psalm 110, and in three chapters in Hebrews. 
He's a type of Christ that the very least I believe he was. In fact, Jesus couldn't wait to get, he couldn't wait for the New Testament time, you know, through the birth of, of Mary. Because, you know, Jesus always was, right? He was there when, when you were created. He's God. So he makes a couple of cameo appearances. And one of those times, I believe, was through Melchizedek. And in the New Testament, it talks about the order of Melchizedek and that Jesus is the chief priest or the high priest under the order of Melchizedek. And so today when we give, it's not under the law of Moses, it's under the order of Melchizedek through the high priest of Jesus in his house. Are you with me? Jesus endorsed the tithe when he was correcting the Pharisees when he's establishing New Covenant Testament, uh, sorry, New Testament doctrine. He was actually pointing out the heart more than anything though. He said, it's good that you tithe mint and, and those different things where you increase. But don't think that you can tithe, but forget about the weightier issues of the heart, love, justice, and those things. And so I echo those words as well, that you you can go through the religious process of giving, but still miss what it's all about. Just like Cain and how he gave of his offering, but he missed what it was all about. Are you with me? So it always, yes, it's important we understand the doctrine. Yes, it's important we understand what God says about this subject, but ultimately it's about the heart. Amen? I quickly want to finish by asking Chelsea to stand up, Ash to stand up, Lizzie to stand up. She's going to be the bad cop this time. She doesn't know what she's getting herself into. And uh, let's get Alex up this time. I've got to read this just because it's so amazing. Who loves the word? Read it with me then. Verse 10. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and try me now And this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open up for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit For you in the field, says the Lord of hosts, and all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord. He's passionate about this. He corrects without fear. He teaches on it without fear because he really cares a lot about it. He speaks in a strong sense and says, don't rob me. But then he also brings such an encouragement and inspiration and says, test me, try me in this. I'm going to bless your socks off. This is my wife, Chelsea, if you didn't know already. Beautiful Chelsea. Let's give it up for Chelsea. She's my wife. This is just a little analogy, okay? I just want you to understand it. Sometimes people understand through analogies and pictures rather than through theory. And so I'm a husband. I love her dearly. But I've had something that's come up that's really important. And although I don't really want to go, I need to go for a year. I need to go away for for a purpose, for a year. And so we're, you know, we're both in agreement on that. And I'm like, but I need to make sure that she's looked after. And so I've got three great friends. And I'm like, hey guys, can you help me look after my bride while I'm away? I've got to go away. And, uh, and is it okay if you help 
look after her. And I, I, I really, really care for her, so I'm making sure that I want to do this properly and not just ask people to help when they can, but I'm actually going to say, listen, if you can do this and commit to it properly, I'm going to give you $10,000 a month. I'm going to give all of you $10,000 a month. $10,000 a month. Is that okay? I'll give you $10,000 a month if you look after my wife. But there's only just one thing that I ask and expect is that you would give, out of that $10,000, you give $1,000, you give a tenth to my bride just to make sure that she's okay. Okay, so I'm giving you 10, but I just ask that you give 1,000 to my bride because I really, really, really care about her. Is that okay? And they're like, yeah, sure. So time goes by and uh, one month passes, two month passes, I check in on my wife, I give her a call and uh, she's like, gee, I really miss you. I wish you were here in the flesh, but uh, I, I know that it's really important that you go to be where you are right now and and uh, I think it's great that we've got FaceTime that we can still communicate. Uh, and, I, and so I say, hey, um, I need just to know how you're doing. And you're like, I'm doing okay, but, you know, it could be a little bit better. Um, just struggling a little bit here and there with a few things. And I'm like, oh, really? Like, what do you mean? And, and I said, Is, how are the, are, they, are the guys looking after you? Ash and Lizzie and Alex, are they looking after you? Like, yeah, yeah. So have they sent you the thousand like I asked? And you say, well, yeah, Ash has sent a thousand uh, the first month and the second month, and it's been wonderful. She's been really, really faithful in that. And, and, uh, <clears throat> <laughs> and I said, what about Alex? And she's like, well, Alex has been amazing. He's actually given um, 2,000. He's given more than what you asked. Because he, he just seems like, and he's, he just seems really, he really cares about, um, what you care about. And, uh, and so they've both been really faithful. So what about Lizzie? And you say, well... <laughs> Sorry, Liz. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been okay. She gave like 300 the first month and then uh, 200 the second month, which was good. And I said, what, what do you mean good? I said, I, I was really specific about what I needed her to do. I care about you. That, that, that's really important that that she does that, it's kind of weird that I gave, like I gave her the 10 to start with that she wouldn't just give the one to my bride. And so maybe I need just to check in and find out whether there was miscommunication, misunderstanding, maybe a lack of knowledge or, or there's been, maybe she's just got some twisted thinking, maybe we can just have a chat and talk it, talk it out a bit. So I ring her and, and she's like, oh, sorry, and she's real blasé. She's like, oh, yeah, I'll just make, she's okay. And, but I had some things that I had to do, and so um, I just thought, you know, 300, 200, that'll be all right. You know, and she goes, oh, and I heard Alex gave it too anyway, and, you know, so it'll all work out in the end. I said, but hang on, I, I told you really clearly I need you to give her just one. It's... And uh, anyway, so I go away from that conversation, and it's a bit blasé, and I'm like a bit worried about it, but then I, you know, just see how it goes after that, and phone again, and, and the same thing is happening, and, and I, I'm disappointed, I still, I still uh, it's not going to break friendship or relationship, but I'm disappointed, and I remind, this analogy reminds me of the talents, who remembers the, the talents, the, the parable of the talents, what do you think would be a wise thing for me to do after we've talked this out for a bit, still not happening, what do you think would, be, would it be wise for me to continue to give the 10,000 to Lizzie? Or would I say, hey, I love you, but this is just not working out. Uh, I need to 
what I'm going to do is actually give this 10 to Alex because he's given um, over and above. And, uh, and when you're faithful, God will, will give back to you. He's looking for faithful people. He's looking for people that share the same heart that he shares for his bride. And of course, who's the husband of the church? Jesus, who's the bride? The church, we are. His house. And that's why I bring that analogy, just to show you that God really cares about his church. And he's given really clear instruction and he's looking for faithful people because where your heart is, there your treasure is also. Amen? Let's give these guys a round of applause. By the way, Lizzie's really faithful, so I just had to, I had to pick on someone. Ash, Ash copped it in the 9 a.m. service. <laughs> So to recap, we talked about Cain and Abel. The tithe, I believe, I didn't have too much, I didn't have enough time to kind of touch on this all that much, but the tithe is not only the 10, but it's the best. It's the first. And it should come from a place of excitement and faith to say, God, thank you. Bang, this is what I do for you. Before I even put a budget in place, because it's not mine, it's his. I don't give it, I bring it. And I trust him. I trust his word, I believe his word. I've seen it time and time again for the last 15 years. I've seen it in other people's lives. Uh, you're going to love these small, the, the testimonies and the small group studies of Pastor Robert Morris. My goodness, it'll fire you up in this, in this area. And as I said, we teach on this once uh, a year in a, a really clear-cut way, in a holistic way, hopefully a balanced way. So right now, I want to ask you to stand to your feet. It's the heart, it's the theology, it's the importance of it, it's the potential of what can happen if we'll be faithful in this area. And it's also a way to check your heart. Now, if you're new to this place, listen, if you don't know God and you're not in relationship with Him. Thanks for listening to another message from Fire Church Ministries. For more messages like this and other resources and information, go to our website, firechurch.com.au